season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shrigland and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Indiana native, former UCF commit, and Los Angeles Dodgers prospects. We got Cameron Decker on the JKR Podcast for the Indiana Baseball Series. Cameron, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. How are you? Pretty good. You know, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. But, you know, before we dig into, you know, your time in high school, committing to UCF, you know, the MLB draft and playing for the Dodgers uh, in the, within the Dodgers organization. I got one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast to get it rolling, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Cameron Decker? Um, I would say he's somebody that, if you don't know him, um, he's a very kind person. Uh, he's a family guy, um, loves all of his friends, loves the game of baseball. Um, is not the biggest talker, but once you get to know him, like he opens up, um, someone who just, uh, loves the game and loves the little, little things in life. Okay. All right. So I know you're in the Dodger system right now. So, you know, that's where the primary, primarily your focus is at, but let's go ahead. Let's throw it back and briefly dig through that recruiting process. Kind of take us through, you know, how that recruiting process went for you. Maybe some of those key things you were looking for, you know, before you chose UCF. Yeah. So, uh. My freshman year, I had a little knee injury, and um, I had played throughout my whole uh, younger life. Like, I'd played on uh, local travel teams. Um, we had a travel team called the Thunder. My dad was the coach. Uh, basically, just Evansville guys, um, almost all from the same high school. Uh, we had two other guys from different high schools, but had just played a lot of local tournaments, um, some in Indy and stuff like that, and then after that injury, uh, I went to a strength guy um, who's actually with the Dodgers. His name's Tyler Norton and got that knee feeling better uh, and kind of opened up to like, all right, I want to do like, I want to, I want to be something bigger than this. Like I love all my friends back home, but I need to go chase something, uh, chase a dream. So I started, uh, got with the Canes. Um, and when I really came to college, like 
I knew I wanted to play south. I always had that uh, kind of going for me. I, I don't like the cold, not a cold weather player. Uh, so I was looking to get south somewhere. And um, my dad had actually played uh, at UCF. He was committed there, um, but had some arm problems. So I decided that uh, he wanted to go back to Indiana to do um, business. But um, yeah, mainly just wanted to get somewhere south and uh, was trying to find some something like that. Okay, so you mentioned that you went and played for the Canes. I also saw in Perfect Game that you played for Five Star as well. So I guess we'll talk about travel baseball here as well, inter- intermixed with recruiting process. You know, what was that for the most part? Were you mostly playing for the Canes? Or were you mostly playing for Five Star? Yeah, so my 15U and 16U year, I was with the Canes. Um, loved all loved all that they did there. Uh, had some good teammates, good friends. And then my 17U year, Went to play for Five Star. Um, group of guys were awesome. Like, we won a lot of tournaments. Um, got to go uh, down to Jupiter, play at Jupiter there. Um, both organizations were awesome. Top two in the Midwest. So, really enjoyed the being part of both of those. Okay. So, you like you said, you know, top tier here in the Midwest. You know, Midwest Canes, Five Star. They're probably two out of those three teams here in the Midwest that, you know, could dominate when they go down to Atlanta or Florida, wherever they end up going. For you playing for both the Canes and for the Five Star Midwest, how would you kind of compare, you know, how those organizations are ran, just kind of seeing the day-to-day, game-to-game? You know, how would you compare those organizations? Yeah, I think day in and day out, like, they both do it similar as far as preparation, like – getting ready to go for tournaments and uh, things along that. But uh, Five Star, they had been together for a very long time, like that group of guys. So when I joined, like I was kind of an outlier, like I hadn't been with them for a while, whereas most of those guys had um, grown up with each other and stuff like that. So when I joined, um, they took me in with open arms, like within two weeks, I was talking to them like they're my buddies. So worked out really good um, with the Canes. Uh, we had joined that 15 year, all new guys together. Um, Tucker Bivin, Gage Jennifer also got drafted. So a lot of good players on that team. Um, and yeah, we, we enjoyed it, won some tournaments. So it was fun. Okay. So, you know, sticking on the travel ball topic, you know, with you looking back into it, playing those couple of years with the Midwest Canes, playing for five star as well. If you could kind of choose, you know, maybe two to three favorite travel baseball memories that come to mind when you're thinking about, you know, maybe traveling the country, you know, whatever happens to be off the field, on the field, what are a couple of those favorite travel baseball memories that come to mind? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I would say uh, with the, with the Canes, it would probably be anytime you get Gage Stanifer and Tucker Biven in a room and you get them to argue because they will go at it for, hours back and forth they just love to smack talk each other all for fun um had callous moments of them two just going back and forth um and then me personally like my my favorite moment was probably uh my 17 u fall at jupiter we were uh, going up against um jackson holiday his team and i went deep uh also had like a base hit for an rbi and we beat him in pull play uh we're supposed to get beat and we ended up winning the pool so i i think that was a pretty good experience there yeah i'm sure so you talk about how one of the key things that you were looking for when you were let's well again you know throwing it back to the recruiting process 
you said one of the key things that you were looking for was going down south. I mean, you ended up getting that with UCF. But going through that, you know, were there some other Southern schools that you kind of had a debate between UCF? You know, when you were doing that kind of, you know, what were some of those main things, you know, that kind of put it to the edge that put US, UCF on top, maybe between schools that finished second and third? Yeah, so most of my other schools are uh, Midwest schools. I, um, I going in, that was my 16U summer. Um, played really well at the beginning, the first few weeks, um, continued it, like started talking to more schools in the Midwest. Um, UCF had reached out, so got starting talking to them. And then one of our last few tournaments of the summer, um, I was, uh, I took a ground ball off my thumb, um, and then jammed, like got jammed on a swing. So like it, it had been bothering me pretty bad. Uh, it was my throwing, throwing thumb, my right side. So uh, kind of had the offers that I had and I loved UCF like coaches were great so um, I ended up committing there having the PBR features game um, I had that invite and that was like a week or two later so I felt like I could have gotten something else if I decided to go that route but I also knew that I didn't want to go down there with an injured thumb not perform well and just not have that look great so I ended up taking the commitment like two weeks after they offered. Okay. So, you know, committing to UCF, you know, not shortly, shortly after them, you know, giving that offer, you know, before that futures games, you know, what was some of that, what was that relationship that you were able to build? Maybe with some, you know, at, at that point, you know, future UCF teammates, your future coaching staff there at that point, what were some of those relationships you were able to build while in high school with, you know, at that moment in time, again, you know, your future UCF teammates. Yeah. Um, both the coaches, um, have spent some time in the Midwest, love lady. And then the assistant coach, Ted Tom, um, was from the Midwest here. I think he's from Ohio. So they had just a good connection of, um, what mid Midwest baseball, like, like how gritty it is compared to, um, those Florida guys that play baseball all year round where like, I was a basketball kid growing up too. So, um, they love that nature. Um, they love that, that grittiness, I guess, that you get from Midwest baseball. Um, and yeah, like they, they wanted to bring a Midwest kid into that culture that they have at UCF. Um, they thought that was a really big, um, big, big scenario. Like um, they felt that they really wanted to get me. I felt wanted to go there. Okay. So another really cool thing that you got to do within your high school years while you're playing down there in Evansville, got the chance to play with your brother there for a couple of years. Kind of take us through what that experience was like, you know, maybe how you were, you know, taking Cole underneath your wing, maybe showing him the ropes of playing, you know, high school baseball. What was that experience playing with your younger brother? It was awesome. Um, I think the last time we ever played before that was when I was nine and he was like seven. So to get that experience going into high school was, was really cool. Um, shared a lot of good moments, a lot of bad moments, all of it. Um, but you look back now, it's like it went by pretty fast. So uh, I'm glad I got to enjoy that with him and hopefully can play professionally too so we can get on the same squad again. I'm sure. I'm sure. So I believe what was it? Cole committed what some like what was it October, November, sometime last fall. So for you going through the whole process, you know, a couple of years before him, you know, what was that advice you were giving him, you know, as he was going through the recruiting process before he decided to go to Cincinnati? Just what was some of that advice you were giving him throughout the process? Um, I think the biggest thing or two biggest things, one was don't settle. Um, if you have aspirations to like go play at the biggest schools, like go for it. Don't, don't settle too early. Um, bet on yourself, biggest thing. And then, uh, two would be, 
go where you're wanted. Um, you can tell like uh, with the with the coaches that you talk to, like if they really want you or not. And he felt that way with Cincinnati. He loved loved all the facilities there. So I'm really happy for him. It's not too far from home, but um, he can get a little way of a little bit. So really happy for him. Yeah. So that, I mean, it, it's Evansville North, correct? That's what the high school is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, well, I know. I know Evansville has like seven different high schools there in the tie. Yeah. I can never remember which one's which. Um, but for you, I mean, I know that Evansville North team is very talented. Obviously, you know, had you that graduated last year, you have your younger brother, a couple other guys there in the class below you heading to some D ones. Kind of take us through maybe what some of those favorite memories were. You know, again, within that your high school career, you know, whatever happened there, playing in the state of Indiana. You know, just what was that experience like playing at Evansville North? Yeah, so freshman year, um, we had a scrimmage game um, against Princeton High School. Um, I was in the lineup freshman year. We had 12 seniors, and I went deep my first scrimmage game. And so uh, opening day, day one, I was batting four hole as a freshman with 12 seniors. And I started out 0 for 16 freshman year. And uh, a lot of coaches would just be like, all right, you're done, like, they'd bench you, but, uh, my coach Jones, he stuck with it, kept me in the lineup. I hit like 400 the rest of the year to get to like 300 on the season. Um, so that was big. Like I could have given up personally, like after that rough start, but I stuck with it. Coach stuck with it. And then sophomore year obviously sucked having it canceled with COVID. Um, that was crazy, but, um, I think it really propelled me into that summer. And then propelled me into my junior year of like, don't take it for granted. Um, definitely use like that last year as an experience to not take it for granted. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the games are obviously fun, but um, it's just the the memories you create with like your guys. Um, that senior group that I was with, we'd been playing together since we were eight years old, so it was really cool to just go in day out, uh, practice games after game meals, like all that stuff, um, you really, you really take to heart. So, um, I think a personal moment that I really enjoyed was those first three games of senior year hitting six bombs. Like that was, that was crazy. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just six and three games. Yeah. Six and three games. Okay. Were they what, just two, two and two, or like, did you have a three home run game? It was, that's that's a hot start. Yeah. It was three in the first game. And then one in the second and two in the third. Okay. Okay. So yeah. with you with you getting that chance to play three full seasons of Indiana high school baseball, how would you explain that competition level in Southwest Indiana? Obviously, you know, Evansville, like a couple of Evansville schools are really good. I know Bishop Letson's, I believe, somewhere down south of Indiana as well. You know, how would you explain that Southwest Indiana competition level? Yeah, I feel like um, it can kind of go unnoticed sometimes. Obviously, there's a bunch of big schools in Indy, and they're all they're all really good. But you got Jasper down here, you got Castle, you got Floyd Central, New Albany, um, all teams that compete every year. Jasper just won a state, so made a deep run. Like we had to go up against uh, Foley. He's at IU now, throwing 98. Um, you got Tilly, who's going to be a draft pick next year. You got Bivin, who's pitching at Louisville. Bishop, Bishop Letson probably going to be a draft pick too. So you got a lot of good arms down here, um, a lot of bats that can swing it. So um, I think we definitely like that sectional that we have personally. Um, I know Jasper just got moved down to three, but that sectional in 4A the past few years has been loaded every year. 
So you talk about all those tough arms. You know, you mentioned Foley. You mentioned Letson, Tilly as well. With you going through and facing all those guys, who is the toughest AB from a guy in Indiana that you had to face within your high school career? It's a good question. I'm, I'm going to go – it's going to be a tie between uh, Bivin and Foley. I think okay. uh, they just – that right on right, they're both electric. Um, Tilly, you could throw in there too because he's 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 legit. Threw me a lot of sliders. <laughs> yeah, you you mentioned Foley at ninety eight actually. So I was there that game. He hit ninety nine. So they got so he he's so that much closer to one hundred. Uh, no, I was there yeah. watching that game. He's been he's been pretty lights out here as a freshman. Probably the probably the best. I mean, IU freshman pitcher, I'd say. But um, mm-hmm. so you know, looking back into last spring, you know, kind of transition to the MLB draft. Kind of take us through, you know, obviously with you being one of the draft prospects here in the state, what last spring looked like in terms of, you know, scouts going to watch you play or, you know, when exactly was it that, you know, you started to realize that you were going to be a 2022 MLB draft prospect? Yeah, um, I think those those first three games obviously kind of set it on on fire. Like that was that was a good start. Um, but I knew that it took obviously more than that. I had to play a full full season. Um, so I think after the first two weeks, like I started to see more scouts at games, um, had to take some BP before games so scouts could watch. Um, and that kind of started the process. Um, and then talking to some, and then after high school season, um, finished, I went to some pre-draft workouts, one with the Rangers, one with the Dodgers. Um, and so that kind of, um, set everything forward and then going into my summer, I didn't play any, um, cause I, kind of wanted to, I knew that I was going down to UCF early for summer baseball. Um, they have all the freshmen go down there early. So pretty much by the end of high school, I knew that was the last chance like that I could get to prove myself. Um, so just wanted to take every game, like um, one game at a time, like show what I can do, um, but not get too high or too low. Like just control what you can control. Um, be the player in person you're always going to be and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. So with you going and getting that chance to have those pre-draft workouts with the Rangers, a couple other teams you mentioned there as well, what do those pre-draft workouts look like? Are they very similar amongst those couple different teams? Do they go about it different ways? You know, just what exactly does the do, do those pre-draft workouts look like? Yeah, it's it's pretty similar. Um, with both teams, I think I probably took six or seven rounds of BP, like five to eight swings. Um, they wanted longer rounds just to see more. Um Obviously, like a guy could have three really good rounds. So I think they want to see a little bit um, just obviously they've been watching you, but just kind of want to see in person and interact with you. I I think that's a big thing, like see what type of person you are. They want to know who they're drafting. Um, And then, yeah, uh, get a lot of of defensive work. Um, Just see like what positions you play, like how you move. Um, But yeah, I think the biggest thing is just getting to talk to talk to the staff and seeing seeing what you're like and yeah. things of that nature. Okay. okay. So, you know, going through that pre-draft process for, you know, a couple months there last spring, having different scouts from different teams coming to watch you play, what were some of those relationships you were able to build, you know, with scouts, maybe with some cross-checkers as well? What did some of those relationships look like? Yeah, so, like, your, your area scouts, you probably talk to them the most. Um, and there's, like, uh, PRP in Indianapolis. I went up there and – for a week and there was a uh, one of the rangers area scouts was there and got to know him pretty well um so you you talk you text um just day in day out uh about how you're doing 
uh, they'll let you know, like, hey, I'm going to be at this game this day. Um, they'll ask, like, hey, can you take BP before the game? Um, but, yeah, it's it's good. You get to know them a little bit, uh, which on draft day is kind of cool. You don't know who you're going to go to. Yeah, yeah. So last, so going into last summer, and you knowing that you had to go to UCF for you know, some, some summer workouts as well, you know, what was that mindset going into last summer, you know, knowing that you were a draft prospect, also had that opportunity to go to UCF? Kind of take us through those couple of weeks leading up to the MLB draft, you know, where your mind was at at that point. Kind of take us through that. Yeah, um, UCF, uh, they did a great job. I, I took uh, two classes during the summer just to kind of get my feet wet. And then we had basically all day to kind of do whatever. So they left the facilities open. We'd have morning workouts, um, get some movement stuff also. So like my body was in a good spot. I felt really good about that. Um, and then getting cage work every day on field, throwing defense. So I felt like I didn't want to just go into summer not doing baseball stuff, get drafted. And it's like, all right, what do I do? I felt very prepared. Like I knew where I was at, um, got live at bats, like pitchers through. So um, leading up to the draft, uh, I was actually just in my dorm by myself um, on draft day. Um, obviously I'd been in touch with my parents and everything, but they weren't going to, make the trip down to UCF. Um, so it was a little nerve wracking for sure, but, um, just try to trust, trust the process, trust in God that he's, he's got the path for me. So I just got to follow. Okay. So, you know, as the MLB draft was getting started, did you kind of have an idea in terms of, okay, maybe I'm getting drafted in this round, maybe getting drafted in another round, you know, what was going on there for those three days of the draft leading up to your selection there, you know, just take us through, you know, what's going on in the draft, maybe your conversations between your advisor, you know, maybe relaying that to your parents or, or scouts, you know, whatever it happens to be, you know, what's going on here, those three days, the communication part kind of take us through the MLB draft. Yeah. So I, I personally decided not to do um, an agent. I was just by myself. So I had my dad, He's he does business, so he knows that side well enough. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I would say draft day, probably the latest uh, day two, late on day two. Those rounds are normally your, like, overpay high school guys. So I knew that was a possibility given my number where I was at um, and ended up not happening on day two. So it's kind of bombed. You're like, not really sure what's going to happen. Um, going into day three, I just tried to keep keep my uh, hopes high, um, but also not not worry about it too much. Just kind of whatever happens, happens. And uh, yeah, leading, leading up to those last few rounds, I knew I was probably in the 16 to 18 range. Um, had been talking to the Dodgers and Rangers mostly at the the last few rounds there and ended up seeing, got a call right before I saw my name from the Dodgers letting me know uh, they were going to take me. Okay. Okay. So take us through that phone call, you know, right before you're selected, you maybe you get a phone number, you get a, you get a scout calling or whatever, you know, what was that phone call like? Just take us through that feeling, you know, maybe what's being said there just in terms of, Hey man, you were, I'm, I'm with the Dodgers. I'm drafting you, you know, whatever, whatever it was, kind of take us through that phone call and just, you know, what that, what that feeling was like to, you know, officially be drafted and MLB drafts. Yeah, it was awesome, man. I saw, uh, saw my phone pop up. It was, uh, Mitch, who's my Dodgers area scout, um, just letting let me know that uh, they want me to be a part of this organization. Uh, they're super happy for me, um, and 
yeah, it was, it was a great feeling, something that you dream about. Uh, it doesn't feel real in the moment. You kind of just got to wait till after the fact to realize what just happened. But it was awesome experience for sure. I'm sure. So were you able to call your parents before your name was put, put up online or did they find out through, through the, um, um, the show or you, you, yeah, you they, know? yeah. Yeah. They found out through the, through the tracker that okay. I was drafted. Okay. Yeah. So after that draft night, you know, how long is it until, you know, you're flying from Florida, maybe going to Arizona, maybe going to LA to, you know, sign that official contract. You know, what are those couple of days after the MLB draft looking like? Yeah. So, uh, my situation was a little different because um, they had some money, money things to figure out on their end. Their last few picks, they didn't know what they were going to give certain guys because um, my number, they ultimately couldn't meet that number, but they wanted me to the point that they were going to take me um, and let me figure out if I wanted to 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 do it or not. So the took a few days after the draft, settled in. Um, they flew me out to Arizona got to see everything, see the complex. And they had their final number at that point and told them I wanted to be a Dodger. So pretty much uh, my dad flew down to UCF, got my stuff, came out and uh, was ready to get going. Okay. So after you signed that official contract, how long is it until, you know, you're practicing with the team, maybe practicing with some of those other guys in that 22 draft class, you know, just, you know, how long is it until you're actually playing down there in Glendale? Yeah, I, uh, I signed it. Um, Saturday night and then woke up Sunday, first day, getting workouts in on the field. So it's, it's, it's comes at you pretty quick. Okay. Okay. So you're there at the complex You know, kind of take us through what that day to day looks like there playing in the complex, being a draft guy. I'm sure you're, you know, maybe doing some live ABs going through some scrimmages with guys in that 22 draft class as well. You know, just what does that look like there at the complex for some of you guys who just got drafted? Yeah, it's it's a neat experience. Um, you wake up pretty early, uh, seven thirty, eight o'clock. Head over to the field, um, get to the locker room. You know, start mingling with the guys, getting to know them, um, all their story and everything. Uh, then you, if you have a lift that day, you'll get your lift in. If not, you'll have your prep work, which is like um, just movement stuff, getting your body ready to go for the day. Um, then we'll do some defense early work, uh, a lot of early work, um, just to get the body flowing. Um, getting your glove in a good position. Um, then we'll go to the field, take some ground balls for a while, um, get get that defense working, and, and head over the cages, uh, get your routine going, whatever whatever you like. You'll talk to the coaches, plenty of hitting coaches to um, talk to. They all know their stuff. So um, you kind of kind of figure out what works for you. They're not just going to tell you something to do. Like you kind of talk with them, figure out what works. Um, and then after that, you'll head over to the field, take some on-field BP, uh, maybe live at bats. Um, I did that for about a week or two before we got into the uh, AZL, which is the Arizona Complex League. Okay, so for you going through and you kind of being thrown right into the fire there, you know, what was that biggest adjustment you had to make from going to, you know, high school baseball to pro baseball? You know, what's that biggest adjustment? And then the, the second part to that question, you know, what would be that advice? Obviously, this year here in Indiana, we got Max. You mentioned Bishop and Tilly as well, maybe Andrew Wiggins too. What would be that advice for this class underneath you going into the MLB draft? You know, just what to expect when they do hit pro ball? You know, what's that adjustment looking like? Yeah, um, I think it definitely happens very quick. Um, so when you when you get thrown into that, uh, you got to realize that you're there for a reason. Like 
you're you're a good baseball player. All these guys around you are good baseball players. Uh, but you got to know that you're there for a reason. Um, trust yourself. Um, all those guys I know are are great players. So like once you get there, like realize you're there for a reason, um, and just go about your business like you're not the guy. Um, all those guys are legit. So you just have to take care of your business, um, and I think that puts you in a good spot. Okay. So for you going to the LA Dodgers, you know, what were some of those relationships that you were able to build with maybe guys that you're playing in the ACL with maybe some different coaches? What were some of those biggest relationships you were able to build there for that first half a year, maybe going into the off season? What were some of those relationships? Um, yeah, it's been awesome. Um, everyone throughout the organization are great people um, from the very top to the very bottom, like in and out, like they're all amazing people. Um, you can talk to whoever, um, and they're going to treat you like um, you should be treated. So uh, my roommate for this last fall and this spring has been Logan Wagner. Um, he was from Chicago originally. Uh, he went to play Academy ball in South Carolina. Um, got to know him really well. Um, he's a high school kid also. So we connected really well. Um, he's more of a outspoken guy, whereas I'm more of a quieter. So it, it works out well. Um, but yeah, you get to talk to all those older college guys, see what their experience was like. Um, mine was pretty cool because Alex Freeland, who went to UCF, he was a shortstop draft, draft out of there. Um, awesome dude, awesome player. So got to kind of hear what UCF was like for him. Um, just really cool to see, see the different, um, journeys people had. And then all the staff, like hitting guys, um, all great people. So it, Dodgers do it very well. Yeah. And that's what I've heard. So, you know, I'm trying to be an agent and, you know, when I, when I intern with agencies, they're always telling me they've got four teams that they want one of their players to be drafted to. And, you know, all of them always say the Dodgers are one of those teams, but um, with you being a part of the ACL, does that kind of end at the same time, you know, the regular minor minor league season comes to an end or what does that look like? How, how long are you in Arizona before, you know, you come back here to Indiana or wherever to, you know, kind of start your first professional off season, you know, how long does that Arizona complex league uh, take place? Yeah, I think uh, the, the college guys tend to play like a few games, maybe a week there. And then they head out straight to low A, whereas high school guys tend to, um, finish out the rest of your Arizona, which was probably two or three weeks. And then um, it's over and you head into instructs, which is basically just to get more game, more game experience, more game reps. And then obviously it's long days to where like you can get others, other work in, whether you're working on your swing or something fielding wise, stuff like that. So that's another four weeks. Um, and I got finished around the beginning of October. And then I head back for my first off season. Okay, so for this first professional offseason, what did that look like? I know I saw, I believe you were hosting some hitting camps maybe to build some relationships from some of the younger guys, maybe make a little, you know, offseason cash. But what did that offseason look like just in terms of were the Dodgers giving you guys, you know, workouts to use? Were you using, you know, maybe some of your own personal workouts? What did this first offseason look like when you go back there to Evansville? Yeah, so um, Tyler Norton, the, same, the guy I mentioned earlier with the Dodgers, um, he's one of the strength guys. So he actually lives in Fort Branch, which is uh, right by. So I went to him um, the full off season. Um, my goal, I was 200 pounds going into off season and they wanted to get me to 210. So I had to bulk up a little bit, um, got after in the weight room four times a week. Uh, 
And then, yeah, uh, did some hitting lessons with some guys, um, mostly younger kids, but also some high school guys. Um, really just, just trying to share my knowledge that I learned from being out there with the Dodgers, um, which was a ton. Had to write it down, like study it, look at different swings. Like it's a lot of stuff, um, but all good stuff. So wanted to be able to like help those guys in that area. And it worked out really well. Um, worked with Aaron Niels a lot actually, and he's killing it. So hats off to him. Um, and yeah, getting, getting to hit with my brother a lot, like all those guys on, on the North team, um, just been able to share that knowledge that I got from being an LA Dodger, which is, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So you mentioned one of your key focuses this year, this going into the last off season was, you know, bulk up, you know, gain about 10, 12 pounds, whatever. Um, going into spring training, was that goal kind of stay the same, you know, kind of use that same workout regimen and going into the spring training, just kind of what was that emphasis within your development and, you know, just kind of take us through your first spring training as well. Yeah. I, I, th- uh, I got to spring training around two eleven, So got that goal achieved. And then obviously knowing that you play six, six games a week. So, um, it's obviously tough to keep that, keep that weight up. So, um, just making sure you eat enough. And then, um, we were supposed to only get at least two workouts in a week. Um, I wanted to get three just to be able to maintain that weight. Um, and then obviously playing every day, like I got down to 208 sometimes and just trying to, uh, keep that fluctuation good enough. Um, yeah, a big thing for me in the off season was, uh, I switched up my hands a little bit. Um, pretty similar to what Max Clark is doing. Actually, he was pretty high with his hands. I was pretty high with my hands. Um, dropped him down a little bit, uh, changed some mechanical stuff like um, that. So hammered that in off season. wanted to get comfortable with that going into spring training, not have to really worry about too much mechanics and just go play. Um, and it worked out really well. Got to uh, face some of our pitchers, um, which it's widely known. Like we have dudes, um, that throw really hard, got great stuff. So I think that those first two or three weeks where I got to face like our guys, once we started playing other teams, it made made everything else a lot easier. Yeah. When you say our guys, are you talking about the major league Dodgers? Or are you talking about guys who are, you know, playing single A, double A as well? Um, throughout, yeah. So the the major league guys, they have their own separate area that they're at. It's kind of split up. But yeah, I got to face like some of our top double A, triple A arms. So seeing those guys is like, it makes everything else look a lot easier. Yeah. So for you being, you know, a younger minor league guy, obviously when people think of spring training, they think of, you know, watching games on TV, seeing, you know, the, the, the big time all-stars, you know, maybe taking a, a bat, maybe two at bats in a game and then going, you know, having some of the minor leaguers come in for you being a younger minor league guy, what does that day to day look like there at the Dodgers facility? Yeah. So, uh, it's early mornings. So we get up at seven, head over to the field. Um, have your breakfast uh, and if you have a lift your lift that day you get your lift in um, do your prep work every day that's a must uh, make sure your body's uh, ready to go and then uh, normally we'd we'd go cages to defense to BP you got a little lunch break and then you got a full nine inning game and that's Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday it's every day of the week um, there's no no off days in spring training. So I think one of the biggest things is taking care of your body like and your mind too. Like it can be mentally draining too. You got to make sure 
um, that you're ready to go each day because you're trying to prove yourself. So yeah. I get the tough part, but um, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. So going from spring training to extended, extended spring training there for a couple of weeks as well. You know, what's that comparison? What does extended spring training look like for, you know, a younger minor leaguer compared to what, you know, actual spring training looks like? Um, it's, it's pretty similar. Um, it's basically guys that are probably going to be in the Arizona league that are just there to get extra games in. Um, also can be rehab guys. So like there's a major league pitcher that's rehabbing, um, like Garrett crochet with the white Sox pitched against us, um, just rehabbing. So they'll, they'll use that. Um, so it's pretty cool. Like, uh, Mariners also Taylor Trammell, MLB guy. He was, he was there playing against us one day. So, you get to see some MLB guys every once in a while. Yeah. So when do you find – so right now you're in Rancho Cucamonga. You said you've been there for about a week, week and a half or so. When did you find out that, you know, you're going to be going there and kind of take us through that adjustment from, you know, complex league ball to now being an actually your first full professional baseball season playing for an affiliate? You know, what's that kind of look like? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, last, last Saturday morning um, I was doing my prep work just normal day, um, getting ready for the day, um, get called into the office. They're like, Hey Cam, um, we're going to be sending you up to low A. We think you're ready to go. So, um, really cool. Um, get to see all the coaches cause I've been working with them for a while. So it's cool to see them happy for me, um, to get going. Um, so drove, had my car out there. So I drove, it's about four and a half hours from Arizona, um, here in California. So it's been cool. Uh, you basically go from zero to a hundred as far as the fans go. Cause Arizona, there's, there's not really any fans. It's kind of backfields, like uh, a lot of staff members just watching. So then you get here, I got here on a Saturday night and it was packed probably five, 6,000 fans. So it's, it was pretty cool experience. And then um, one thing uh, you got to get used to is night games. Um, all the Arizona games are pretty much during the day for spring training and extended. Um, we're here, like most of our games are 6.30, so getting used to seeing the ball at night, um, it's it's a little different, but it takes probably a week, so now I'm, now I'm starting to see it better, but it's a good experience for sure. So being an affiliate ball here for a couple of weeks, or for you know, a week, week and a half or so now, what does that average home game, average away game look like? You, know, you said you're adjusting from you know playing in the mornings compared to now playing at night playing in the dark, you know, what does that average away game, average home game look like just through your point of view, you know, waking up, getting breakfast, lunch, whatever, when are you heading to the ballpark? What do those average days look like for both away and for home? Yeah, for home, um, I normally, I tend to wake up at like 8, 8.30. Um, I could sleep in longer, but I'm, I'm not a sleep-in guy. I like to get up, get going. So I'll get my breakfast in, um, head to the field around noon, um, if I have a lift that day, I'll get, get a lift in first, um, then kind of hang out, um, get your early work in on the field, hang out in the locker room. Like there's, a, there's, a, there's a good amount of, uh, downtime. You can kind of just hang out in the locker room, play some games, uh, something like that. And then get on the field, get some, uh, pregame BP in, see how the ball's flying. Um, then come back in, kind of chill out again, um, get some pregame snacks, protein shakes, stuff like that, and then head out for the game. Uh, away games, uh, this this past one, it was only about like 40 minutes away, so we were able to commute and not have to stay in a hotel. Um, so we'd uh, get here to our field, 
get on the buses, get everything uh, shipped over, get there probably five hours before the game, kind of hang out again uh, in the locker room, um, head over the cages, get some cage work in, get a nice uh, pregame stretch on field BP once again, um, take some defense, get some live reads off the bat, um, then come back in and get some protein in, get ready for the game. Okay, so they're an affiliate ball. I believe most affiliates, they have pretty much every Monday off. So when you guys are having that Monday off and you guys, let's say, you guys are staying home that week. It's a homestand. You guys aren't on the road. What does that look like just in terms of, you know, are you guys practicing for a couple of hours? Is it individual work? What does that look like on an off day for the affiliate, for for an affiliate like Rancho Cocomunga? <laughs> yeah, for us, um, it's kind of up to us if we want to get any work in. Um Coach is like, either way, we're not going to hold it against you. If you come in and get work, we're going to be like, oh, all right, that, that guy wants it. Or this guy stays home. Like, we think it's it's just as equal. Like, you're getting your body right, getting your rest. Um, so it's kind of up to you. Like, last last Monday, uh, I wanted to get a lift in on Monday. So I came in, got a lift, some swings in the cage, and then dipped. Um, whereas today, like, long six, six games in a row. So today I'm kind of just taking it easy. Um, relaxing, making sure the body's ready to go for another long week. As your first professional baseball season, you know, keeps rolling, you know, what are some of those goals you have heading into the rest of this season? Yeah, I just, I think the biggest thing is to stay healthy. Um, you want to play as much games, get as many as bats as you can, um, try to stay on the field. Um, so that's number one. And then number two, I want to be able to hit for power. Um, I think that home runs are definitely what, this game is trending towards. So obviously want to take my walks, um, have some extra base hits, try to limit the strikeouts as much as possible. Um, so stay on the field, um, definitely try and get some extra base hits and then just enjoy the, enjoy the moments. Like it's a long season. There's going to be bad times, obviously. Um, but you gotta, you gotta realize what you're doing and, um, you're playing a game for, for money. So it's, it's what else can you ask for? Of course, of course. So I got one last baseball segment here for you. Let's dig into your actually on the field play. So I'm looking at baseball reference. I'm seeing left field, right field, first base. I'm on MLIB.com. I'm seeing shortstop. You know what, you know, at this moment in time, you know, where is that primary focus and where do you kind of see that as you head into the future when it comes to your position? Yeah, for here in Rancho, um, we got a lot of infielders. Um kind of thin on outfield and I worked a lot um, in spring training on outfield. They want to be able to kind of be a utility guy and just make sure my bat is in the lineup. So I've been playing a lot of outfield and probably will continue to play outfield, just get more comfortable out there. Um, just keep the bat in the lineup and then be able to play first base is, is pretty easy. I think that's something that comes to nature and then be able to play some third, um, just kind of being a utility guy and um, being wherever I need to go, like whatever gets, um, me in the lineup and me to move up um just got to hit at the end of the day that's that's the main thing just got to hit okay so with you being a utility guy playing the outfield and the infield is there maybe a mindset change when you're playing you know left field right field compared to you know when you're playing shortstop or third base absolutely yeah there's there's mindset change and then there's physical change too uh like i i gotta have a shorter arm action when i'm in the infield and outfield i gotta have a little bit of a longer arm action be able to get some more juice on it um, and then mentally, yeah, like the game's a lot quicker in the infield. you got to be thinking a lot more often than you do in the outfield. Um, so it kind of speeds up sometimes. So you got to slow it down. 
So there's definitely some um, mind changes. And then practice, you got to be able to practice in both, making sure you're not lacking in one or the other. Okay. So flipping around to the hitting side of things, kind of take us through your hitting approach. You know, you're walking up to that batter's box, walking up to the plate. You know, what's going through your mind? You know, what are you trying to do with each at bat? Um, biggest thing for me is be on time for the fastball. Uh, a lot of guys like their fastball and they're going to try and blow it by you. So you got to make sure you're on time for the fastball. Um, I, I have to think middle to right side with my approach. Um, if I think pull it all, then I'm going to most likely come off the ball. I'm not going to be able to hit any off speed. Um, I got to stay on the fastball, think middle away, um, and do damage that way. If I get, get around it to it and hit it early for a homer, then that's part of it. But I like to think middle way, um, set my sights that way. And then with two strikes, just battle. Um, I don't try to expand the zone. Um, with with minor league, like umpires aren't perfect, but um, the strike zone is obviously smaller than it was in high school. So like in high school, I was kind of taught to hit everything, like expand your zone with two strikes. We're here, like I, I got to shrink my zone almost. Like I got to I gotta uh, know not to chase, like work three, two counts, work walks. Um, so if like, if you get O two and you work a three, two, and then you walk like that pitcher is demoralized after that. So, um, just not expanding the zone too much. Um, look in certain spots, certain locations, knowing where you do damage. Um, Dodgers are good at like heat maps. So they'll look like I'll be able to see like where, where I hit most of my damage is. Um, so like for me, up and away and up and in is not really where I do damage. So I'll probably lay off those pitches. Um, whereas like middle down in away, like that's where I do my damage. So I'll probably look somewhere in that area. Okay. So you talked, you talked about your mechanics there earlier when it comes to, you know, going from high to, you know, maybe keep your hands a little bit lower, kind of take us through what those mechanics look like just from your load up to your follow through as a lefty, as a righty as well. If those mechanics are, you know, changed in any way, what do those mechanics kind of look like and how have they evolved here these past couple of years? Yeah. So some of the Dodgers are big on, um, is getting the last second move up with your hands. So for me, like I had had my hands high and kind of kept them high the whole time. So the only way I could move them up was to be like almost over my head. So right now I have them down and I get that small leg kick and then my hands go opposite direction up um, to get me in a good launch position. And then be able to basically take knob straight to the, uh, straight to the ball, let the barrel fall in place. And then um, I, I wanted to be able to, uh, finish high through contact, um, not be so across my body with my swing, really stay through through the ball. Um, so I feel like that that new swing, um, it took a little bit getting used to for sure, but it's paid off in the long run. I'm sure. So with you being a switch hitter, you know, how did that come about? Were you, uh, do you, you know, as a, a little kid, did you pick up a bat as a left-handed hitter? You know, what does that look like going from, you know, a guy who throws righty, but also you, is switch hitting as well? Well, it's actually false. So <laughs> when I uh, they had came out and said I was going to switch hit, but I've only been hitting righty. So they they got that mixed up in the draft, and it's kind of carried on from now. So okay, okay, I was going to say yeah, I was, just full righty, full righty. I was, I, was yeah. say, I, was gonna, I was watching a couple of videos. And I was like, I haven't seen him hit lefty yet. Like, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Seeing, I was like, it says he's you know on baseball and baseball reference. I'm seeing switch hitters. So I guess you know, right. I guess forget about that question, but. Um, looking right. back, no, into, I did. Uh, you know, go. What were you saying? Sorry. 
I I did it in a PBR showcase because I I had hit lefty like my whole life just in the cage and stuff, and I I was at to a point where I almost wanted to fully commit to it, so I did it in a showcase, and that kind of started what what um, people thought I was a switch hitter, okay. and then I did it in game a couple times, but never really fully committed to it um, because my right my righty swing um, I'd only be facing lefties every once in a while, so like that was my dominant swing. Um, I didn't feel confident enough in my lefty swing, so I stuck with my righty. Okay. So, you know, looking at your game's entirety from, you know, you hitting, you know, just as a righty, not as a lefty, um, but uh, playing the field as well from, you know, uh, outfield, infield, base running. If you were a scout watching your game, you know, what would be that personal scouting report that you would write up on yourself? I would say uh, hits to all fields. Um defense he doesn't take a pitch off he's locked into every play um it's sneaky fast i i got some wheels if i get going um and then yeah just just plays hard every every game okay um shoot all right so look so looking back into it from the time that you've been with the dodgers from you know the day after the draft when you oh, shoot so looking back into your past, you know, year, year and a half of being in the Dodgers system, you know, after that 2022 MLB draft, you know, what are maybe some of those biggest lessons that you've learned, you know, whether that's in the field, in the batter's box from some of their hitting coaches as well, just what are some of those biggest lessons that you've learned while being in the Dodgers system? I think uh, um, the biggest thing I've learned as far as being an infielder um, that I think could could help a lot of, a lot of people Um you always hear that uh, term routine play, right? You got to make the routine play. Um, we had one of our higher up uh, infield guy. He's been a manager for, um, for multiple years. He said, there is no routine play. Um, every play is hard. There's no easy play. If you treat every play, like it's a tough ground ball, you're going to make a lot more plays where as you see, like some guys, they make errors on the routine play. Um, if you don't treat it like a routine play, you have that same intent on every ground ball. Um, you're going to make the play. And I like that a lot um, as far as infield goes. And then um, as far as just being a person in general, uh, the Dodgers do a great job of just we have multiple meetings about just like how to be a good person, how to be a good teammate. Um, that goes a long way in anything in life. So I think that they do a good job um, about caring for you and then it makes, makes everything else a lot easier. Okay. So with the Dodgers caring about, you know, the majority of their ball players beyond them on the field and actually doing those meetings that you just talked about, what do you think, or how would you explain that do that Dodgers culture? Obviously, I mean, they're consistently in the NLDS, NLCS, making it to the world series every couple of years. How would you explain that Dodgers culture and for me being an insider, you know, what do you think has, you know, led to their recent success kind of seeing it there at the, in the, you know, the lower minor league level so far? Yeah, it starts from day one, from the very bottom to the very top. Um, everybody has the same mindset um, to win championships, like through all the affiliates. That's our goal is to win championships. And then something else that they do a great job of is having the connection on the, um, like workout side, like the strength and conditioning side connected directly to your gameplay. So like if you're playing a lot of games, you're not going to do a bunch of work in the weight room. You kind of have that balance and you got to find that balance. And they do a great job of that. They've done a ton of research. And then obviously you have the, the mental side of, of wanting to win 
every every single game um and they've uh they've shared that through through day one like what what the dodgers do how they do it how that you should go about your your daily life so um they make it well known like from day one of getting drafted that um you're here for a reason and it's time to get to work okay all right so i got my last segment here for you call it rapid fire basically just a couple questions about your personal basically just a couple questions on the personal side of things First question here, you know, passions beyond the game of baseball. Let's say you got to take your mind off of something. Maybe you're in a slump. You just got to, you know, just got to get baseball out of your mind. You know, what are some of those passions that you have beyond the game of baseball? Um, I play some PlayStation. So uh, definitely get into some different games, whether it's Madden, Fortnite, anything like that. Um, basketball, love to go shoot hoops just to kind of clear, clear the thoughts there. Um, and then spending time with, friends and family is a big one too. Just being able to realize that there's a lot more to life than just baseball. On the motivation side of things, you know, what is it just deep down internally that kind of, you know, helps you get out of bed every morning? You know, you say you're an early morning riser, you know, what is it that kind of helps you get out of bed, helps you, you know, just continuously evolve as a ball player, as a person, you know, just what are some of those motivations that you have? Um, I think a big one would be just remembering uh, what my little self would be like, um, knowing that I'm with the Dodgers, like, remembering what that eight-year-old kid like wanted to do with his life. So I think that's a big one. And then um, just being able to realize that uh, not every day is guaranteed. So you got to wake up and get after that day because there might not be a tomorrow. Okay. So taking that question a little bit further, perfect picture of your life, 20 years down the road, let's say everything keeps going right for you. That little, that little eight-year-old Cameron Decker is looking at you as a 39-year-old, 38, 39-year-old. What is that perfect picture of your life looking like? Yeah, I think it's having a 15-year pro career um, with the Dodgers, winning a World Series, um, still having my family around that I have right now, having my friends of a tight circle. Um Probably not living in L.A. I don't think I want to live in L.A., live somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, just just be happy. Okay. All right. So I got five, two final questions here for you. First off, go-to playlist. Let's say you guys have maybe a long bus ride to go face another team, you know, whether that's, you know, a certain genre, a certain singer, you whatever you kind of choose there. What's that go-to playlist? And then last question, what is that dream brand that you would love to endorse? Obviously, you know, a lot of companies are wanting to work with pro athletes. If you could endorse, collaborate, or partner with any brand here in the United States, what would be that dream brand? All right. So with, with the music, uh, we got two different routes. Um, I'll take it if I'm feeling some rap slash R&B, got to go Kid Cudi. Uh, he's, he's number one for me. Listen to him. Been my most listened to for the past three years. And then if I want to go country, I go Zach Bryan. Uh, love him. Been to his concert. So he's right up my alley for some more chill, like not pregame stuff. Um, and then probably Nike is it would be the endorsement. Yeah, I mean, obviously you can't go wrong with Nike. Obviously, if you have a, if you have an endorsement deal with Nike, I mean, there, there's got to be something going right there for you. Exactly. Exactly. I know, man. I know, man. That's the final question here on the J.K.R. podcast. You know, super appreciative of you, you know, giving your time here today on your off day coming on the show, um, you know, as you go through the rest of your first professional baseball season, go through the rest of your career, I want to wish you the best of luck. Obviously, I'm an Indiana guy as well, so I want to see you, Indiana, as many Indiana guys as possible playing up there in the big league. So just best of luck the rest of your career, man. And, again, you know, just thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a blast.